Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with three breakout hosts. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother I played golf with this weekend. Sure did. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who didn't get an invite. I got left out of the party. Wow. Trey Newman. It was a great time. <laughs> it was wonderful. wonderful I mean, course. I played played like crap, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it was more about the experience, right? Okay. I thought you were going to say, don't worry. I played like crap too, but you just oh, let me oh, hang in well, there. Well, I thought you meant you were speaking for both of us. We both played like crap. Oh, it's true. It's yeah. true. Uh, anyway, <laughs> be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CF at cfb bros to our youtube channel and take advantage of our sponsor ryan yeah uh my bookie uh, dot uh, dot ag is our sponsor as you can see if you're watching youtube you'll see it on youtube here um so i'm just going to speak on my experience from my bookie it's been great so far um the first thing you need to know is this that you can double your first deposit up to one thousand dollars so if you put a thousand in they'll give you a free thousand to play with and They've also had many different promotions that that you can do. So like, for instance, they already had the first week of NFL football. They gave you Kansas City. They put them at plus 54. And if you bet 50 bucks, you could have won 45. So it's just like a free $45 that you win. This past week, they had 12 bets for on Saturday uh, that were huge bonus odds. So 11 out of the 12 were just easy money. They hit one Florida State screwed it. They gave you two touchdowns advantage on Florida state and they still managed <laughs> to screw it up. So screw Florida state, but everyone other than that, they all hit and it was yep. just plus money. It was huge odds. So it was, it was free money essentially. And it's been great. So uh, I highly encourage to go to mybookie.ag. I've had great customer service already. Um, just make sure to use the promo code CF bros. Um, and you'll get, again, you'll get your first deposit up to a thousand dollars. Can't really recommend it enough. I've had a few sporting websites in my, in my past, this has been the best one for me. So remember, mybookie.com or mybookie.ag, excuse me, and promo code CFBROS. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's recap week four, get right into it. Uh, Kansas State came back from down 35-14 to 14 to win at OU 38-35 on a game-winning 50-yard field goal from Blake Lynch with two minutes left. Things seems like college kickers this weekend were actually making some, some yeah, big kicks. Earned clutch yeah uh trey what what happened here i mean oklahoma they go up 27 in the mid or sorry 28 to 7 in the middle of the third quarter and k-state they were already without about eight key contributors going into the game so you think you know it's over i mean the way oklahoma's humming k-state lost so much but then stop me if you've heard this before ou defense it got worn down in the second half and they they couldn't get stops when they needed it uh every time Kansas State got the ball pretty much in the fourth quarter. Skylar Thompson, Deuce Vaughn, they were kind of knifing through the the Sooner defense for big plays. Uh, I mean, they only had 10 first downs, so they really relied on those those big plays, which was kind of surprising when you look back at the the box score. But um, this game, though, really, it came down to, sure, that fourth quarter defense, but Oklahoma also lost the turnover battle four to nothing. You can't. And no matter how good you are, losing the turnover battle four four nil that's uh, that's not going to help you. And I mean, just as an Oklahoma fan, it's got to be just so disheartening 
knowing that when K-State got the ball at the end, you kind of knew that they were going to score or at least move the ball on you. And it's that's rough. And I did want to make one last point on this game about the, the talent. You look at the talent composite. Oklahoma on their roster has 50 four and five stars. K-State, how many do you think K-State has? One. Oh, zero. They have zero. zero. They have wow. zero. Oh, uh, man. That's Yikes. unbelievable. Yeah, and they beat them last year. Right. Obviously, it's two straight years now. Two years in a row. Yeah, it's uh, extraordinarily disappointing here for 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 OU. Maybe you could understand the one last year, of course, going to K State uh, on the road, tough environment when Kansas State was littered with seniors, especially on the uh, the offense. But this year, with people missing and a team that was should be young, I mean, yeah, they had Skyler Thompson back, but it was it was just entirely a disappointing thing, and you know. A team that just lost to Arkansas State yeah, they just, they just at home. They just lost to Arkansas State at home. It's, it's, it's a bad look here for the Big 12 and, and OU. But yeah, four turnovers. That's it. That, and then, I you know, for for um, we got we got to kind of mention Spencer Rattler's three picks. That's just you haven't seen that from OU quarterbacks in the last few years. They haven't played a freshman in the last few years. So that's you could probably attribute it to being a freshman. Rattler looks like he's going to be great. But yeah, he played. He, I mean, overall, obviously, yeah. We can say that's other amazing. than the picks, but he he did a lot of great stuff. First yeah. half was amazing. Second half was pretty dang bad. Um, fourth quarter in particular was yeah. Good. Fourth yeah. quarter in particular, but you know, I, I guess one of my main concern for Rattler at this point, uh, other than the turnovers, is just his rushing. I thought he would prevent pre- present more dual threat ability, kind of like Jalen and Kyler did the last couple of years for OU, and even Baker was able to do a little bit as well. But Rattler rushed for minus five yards in this game, so. When they need a dynamic presence there, I, you know, that's a huge thing in college football is having that quarterback to be able to run. And Rattler's supposed to be dual threat. So that's concerning if I'm OU as well. It's like, why weren't we, you know, pressing the issue with him uh, on the ground as well? So just uh, so enormously disappointing. They're not, I mean, we can't write them off for the playoff yet. They've lost like crazy games like this before, but boy, it makes it a lot harder for them. They yeah. have zero room for, for error and they have to win and maybe win some, some style points here in the future. Just, if they're going up against a one loss SEC team, there's just it's it's going to be very, very hard for them. Well, I mean, OK, so I'm glad you said the thing about them not being eliminated because so many people, I feel like, say that right when a, a team yeah. gets their first loss, especially I know, <laughs> I know, but, like, moment, but yeah, every year under Lincoln Riley, OU has wa- lost a game like this. I mean, it just obviously happened last year at K-State and every year they've made the playoff. Now, obviously, it being game one and, you know, makes it well, of the Big 12. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Game one of Big 12 play. Yeah. Their first real game. Yeah. Against, I know. <laughs> uh, an FPS opponent. But good point. Obviously, now I would make them an underdog to make the playoff, of course, because winning nine straight or whatever, whatever they have yeah. left, eight straight is going to be uh, tough. But they can do it. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they did it. No, They're going to be favorites not. in probably, I don't know, maybe all of them. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So they're, they're not eliminated, but not, not a great a lot start, harder. obviously. And the defense is missing, you know, some of their key players. Unfortunately, some of them won't be coming back. Jalen Redman opted out of the season, maybe their best pass rusher. Uh, Caleb Kelly is hurt for the entire year. He was supposed to be a starter at linebacker. And Ronnie Perkins, he will come back at some point. He's been suspended. Um, but I mean, they, I don't know. they started off with another tough one this week. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not really frustrating for your OU. For sure. Uh, okay, next game, Mississippi State got the win at LSU 44-34. to 34, And KJ Costello threw for an SEC record 623 <laughs> passing yards in his first game under Mike Leach. 
Uh, Ryan, what'd you see here? I mean, yeah, this is just Leach to the T. I mean, it's exactly who he is, exactly who he's been. Just throw it all over the yard, throw it to whoever is open. Ten different players caught a pass for Mississippi State. I mean, you just you don't see that really anywhere and other than a Mike Leach uh, offense. Uh, I love his quote from a few years ago. It's like, oh, balance the 50% run and 50% pass. That's 50% BS, as he says. It's just, <laughs> you know, spreading it out and opening it up. It's just the way he looks at it. It was awesome. Uh, it obviously hurt LSU uh, that Derek Stingley had uh, was not able to play on this game. He obviously had to be hospitalized, which sounds like he's okay. But, I mean, this probably was a very different ball game if Derek Stingley was in that secondary. I don't think they would have given well, maybe. I mean, let's just oh, say they would have given up 523 yards. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. they would have given up 500 yards instead of 623. Yeah, okay. Which, in the in the midst of the game, that probably would have made a difference. Like, I'm not saying LSU would have won, but give me a break. The maybe the best corner in all of college football wouldn't have drastically made a difference in this one. You know, okay. Costello still did well, even with Stealing would have been there, but you know, it was a for unfortunate for LSU. Um, but yeah, it's funny how though he beat the he beat the record by like 80 yards. It wasn't like he just beat it by a few. Like he, I was, never even heard who had the previous record. Ah, oh, it was some girl. Oh, I don't want to say the school, but it was some guy that I couldn't even remember. It wasn't like some huge, okay, you know, name that I even really remembered. I, I I could look it up, but I forgot. Um, but it was just LSU. Just kind of looked like they were a team that had so many young players. They were just inexperienced. They need they need more time to develop. They need more time to be in the system. It's just, uh, it was kind of what we we us bros thought going into the year it's just you cannot lose everything and keep up that level where you were at or even be any close, yeah. anywhere close to it so it's it's just pointing it was, for lsu of course but i i don't think anybody's like shocked that this is what happened yeah yeah it was georgia's eric zaire in 1993 against southern mm-hmm. miss through for 544 there you go All right, that's yeah, before like our time there <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan, you brought it up. We were collectively, I think, pretty low on LSU coming into the year. The two of us, Ryan, we made it our lock yeah. under their season win total in the, the SEC. But I will say I was also low on Mississippi State coming into the year because I thought it was going to take a And not that I thought like, oh, that Mike Leach offense just isn't going to work in the SEC, that kind of a thing. I just thought it would take a while because... That's what happened at Wazoo uh, when when he went to the Pac-12. It, it took a couple years for for the offense to really get going and the team to really get going. But I'm clearly dead wrong about that. They broke the record first game, so <laughs> yeah, at least working somewhat. And I do like yeah. KJ Costello, so I think they can you know keep it up yeah, to some Costello, extent. And yeah. I like the way they used Kylan Hill. I kind of worried like that their best option, their best uh, their most yeah. talented player on offense is a running back who to run the ball but they made use of him in the passing game a ton he had i think like 158 receiving yards i don't think that i'm looking at it right now so i can say it confidently (laughs) but uh but yeah i mean that's that's just couldn't be a better start for leach and the other point that we haven't really talked about is lsu's offense they they didn't look outstanding like brennan was a little uncomfortable at times and mississippi state doesn't even have that formidable of a defense and they brennan just it just wasn't it was hard for them to score. I mean, they, they put up 34. I know. I mean, they were, it wasn't like it was horrendous, but there was, it wasn't, it, it didn't look as easy. Six, I think. Yeah. It just wasn't as easy though, obviously as, as Mississippi state. So there's, there's it, this, this game in a nutshell kind of validated our thoughts on LSU, but I do think like 
they can only improve. I mean, they're not going to face the air raid every week. So I'm not, I'm not hitting the, the total panic button, but it is, it's very alarming. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree know, with you. And there's a lot of young talent. Like it'll, it should develop, but, uh, and get but, a stingly back, but Polini, oh. he does have some work on that defense and they got to make, they got to oh. get Brennan in more <laughs> comfortable situations. They got to get Brennan in more comfortable situations uh, to make uh, it easier for him. Yeah, the comfortable is the right word. He did not look comfortable, and he took way too many sacks. I don't even remember the number, but it was a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yep. not not great, but understandable with all that they lost. Yep. Okay, Texas at Texas Tech. This was another crazy game. Weirdly, neither offense was actually great for such a, a high-scoring game. Both teams were below average in yards per play but there were block punts onside kicks turnovers (laughs) all kind of resulting in scores or short fields that's kind of how it got so out of hand and of course there was overtime so i'll just kind of recap the end of the game here so texas tech took a 56 41 lead with just over three minutes left so they're up 15 it kind of feels like it's over but ellinger led a quick touchdown drive texas got the onside kick dicker the and then uh, Ellinger led another touchdown drive, got the two-point conversion, so they go to overtime, and that's where Texas won 63-56 to was the final. Uh, so, I mean, if you're Texas, definitely a concerning performance against a team that's not expected to be very good and just struggled against um, Houston Baptist. But, I mean, I guess you just take the win. You just take the win and move on. I, I listened to the solid verbal this week, and Dan Rubenstein was saying, win your clunkers. And that's, I guess, what Texas Especially did. when the Big 12 looks like a huge clunker as a conference right now. So, yeah, just win it. I mean, poor Red Raiders, though. It's like this is oh. a, this oh. loss is tough to swallow anytime, but especially when you're playing, you know, your big bad rival Texas. That's uh, that's bro- I mean, if you're Red Raiders, though, you kind of have to take solace in that in the fact that you kind of held Ellinger in in check relatively for especially those first three quarters like Ellinger wasn't doing you know great things obviously he woke up in the fourth quarter and that's what's cool like how cool of a cat is ellinger like when it mattered he just Mm -hmm. he balled out it was it was incredible he didn't flinch it was one of those things too when they got the ball the last few times you basically knew they were going to score it was just you Mm -hmm. just had that that feeling um but man it was uh it was it was that was something chris ash on defense does need to find some answers i mean i know Alan Bowman's great. That Vasher, the wideout, is impossible to defend. But uh, I'm not writing their defense off yet. But there were some. They there were some uh, missed tackles and the, the yeah. missed tackles was kind of bad. It, there were some just so many it big plays. Like the Texas defense of the last couple years, where it's just like, man, you know, where are they going to put it together here? I mean, we kind of blamed it last year, obviously, on injuries and stuff, which was a huge piece. But I mean, this was not a not a good performance from the Longhorn defense and. It's going to, it would cost them. I mean, they can't play like this, obviously, and win, go, you know, undefeated or do have the aspirations of winning the Big 12 because it's the consistency is just what you need. I mean, and you can't play like that. So, but from you kind of said it though, Trey, from Texas Tech point of view, oh my gosh, I can't just, it's so hard to swallow this, like up a couple scores with like three minutes left. All you have to do is, yeah, uh, horns down, you get, yeah, exactly, recover yeah. an onside kick and, and then you would win. Oh my goodness, that's just got to hurt. And then it, once once it went to overtime, you kind of just had the feeling like this was just not even not even a chance. And then when Texas Tech got the ball in overtime, they just completely had, didn't even do anything positive on offense. It was like a sack, a, a yeah. penalty, maybe I don't know. It was just atrocious. They had no chance. So 
Yep. Yeah, I, I feel so bad for the for for Longhorn fan or for uh, Red Raider fans, but we've been there. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, don't feel too bad. We've had a Nebraska had quite a few heartbreaks against Texas over the years. So oh yeah, we understand. Uh, okay, next game we got here. Uh, Pitt beat Louisville twenty three to twenty. Trey, the Panthers, man, they showed how good their defense can be. They held high fly in Louisville to only two hundred and twenty three yards. I mean, they, Louisville though they were able to. They found one little spurt. They went on a. They scored seventeen unanswered points. They took the lead, um, and mainly in part because um, there was a couple turnovers that created short short fields for them. But aside from that, Kenny Pickett did enough to to muster out the win. Um, Pitts D though they they were the reason they won. Uh, seven sacks. They bothered bothered Cunningham all day. The fourth in the fourth quarter alone, Louisville had the ball three times with the chance to win, and the drives resulted in interception, punt, and interception. So they did what they had to do in crunch time. And you know, overall, I know they won't play the Pitts defense every week, but watching this, I'm a bit concerned about Cunningham's arm. Like that was a liability this week. Nine to twenty-one, three picks. I'm not writing him it off at all because he will put up numbers, but it was just something that I kind of planted the seed is planted in my head now to watch i completely agree with you that's why i went under here i think on louisville this coming into the season i just don't didn't have faith in cunningham's arm and if you go over a whole long season you're going to need somebody to have to be a, a good enough passer i just and we showed in this game i'm obviously pitt's got a great defense uh but, but this was an atrocious game from cunningham's point of view here and the th- as far as from pitt i feel like their offense is pretty much the same. It hasn't changed much at all. Pickett's still Pickett. He's was okay. Ground game isn't amazing. It is what it is. Their offense is fine. But this year, they have the defense that's legit. I mean, last year, they were, they were mm-hmm. definitely good, no doubt. But they really kind of they turned it on towards the end of the, I felt like, last year with that defense. This year, they just took it to a whole new level where this team could compete with probably not Clemson, but anybody else in the ACC for sure. They might be the I second team in the ACC at this point. They if you, you know they're in North Carolina, it might be Notre Dame. Well, okay, Notre Dame's in the ACC this year. Miami. I mean, they're right there. With yeah, Miami, no, but maybe, they're right there. Is what I'm saying. Their defense is oh, so good. Below, but they're right with them. I think that like, with that defense, they are. They held. This was one of the best offenses that they're going to face, and they made them look like chumps. I mean, they completely. Yeah, did. they played great. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. So that D line is not with that talent and defense on the defensive line with the pressure. They're going to be in any game, it seems like. Yeah, they can be. Exactly. With the defense, they can be in any game. With the offense, they're probably not going to blow a ton of teams out. Definitely not good teams. No, so, yeah. And that's kind of what we thought going into the year. We knew they'd have a great defense. Maybe it's even better than we thought. Yeah, we hoped yeah. that the offense would could take a, you know, finally pick it, could take a step forward. It doesn't look like that's happened. It, it kind of looks like it's the same, same old pit yeah. offense. So they're going to play a lot of close games. And the difference between them having a great year and and or falling short of expectations is just like one score in yep. a few games. And in this game, they they kind of had the luck go their way or whatever, you know, skill, luck, whatever you want to call it. They won by three. A three-point uh, game it, they ended up winning, yeah. Yeah, and Bill Connolly actually had their post-game win expectancy at 32%. So they you could say they got some turnover luck and, and they got the win. And that's what they, they need to do to have the eight, nine win season that they're fans are hoping for yep and their next two games nc state and boston college so they've got a decent chance to be five and oh going into i think they play on the road at miami that would be a huge game wow oh, okay i hope that happens yeah 
Uh, okay. Uh, next game as a four touchdown favorite, Georgia trailed Arkansas seven to five entering the second half. Oof. And but they ended up dominating the second half. They won thirty-seven to ten. Ryan, how concerned are you about Georgia's offense? I mean, I'm as concerned as I was going into the game. Uh, well, that's not fair. More concerned, I guess. I should say. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say I a little more going into the game, but I'm more concerned than I even was because I knew we all kind of knew Jamie Newman was a huge loss. There was no debating that, but it just showed so much in that first quarter or the first half with the one Mathis just like playing horrible. I mean, he was just air at passes, just did not look comfortable whatsoever. And this is of course against the Arkansas defense. That was the worst, one of the worst in the sec, a terrible, one of the worst in the country last year. So we know they're not, not stout. They may have proved improved a little bit since last year, but they're not going to be one of the top half of the sec. So Dwan Mathis was, Obviously not the guy. Stetson Bennett came in and really settled things down for for Georgia. Of course, he played pretty well. And if it was between him and Mathis only, I'm sure Bennett would have be the guy here for the for coming future. But we all know JT Daniels is is cleared now, and he's going to be thrown into the mix. I don't think he'll come in and start next week. Um, just, just I don't know. I, mean, I guess I'm just basing that off of the fact that he's was just cleared. But um, I'm concerned. They they rushed 42 times for just 121 yards. That's under three yards of carry. That's brutal when you're going up against an Arkansas defense like that. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they do go to JT Daniels because they need a spark, but I guess I would guess they just stick with Stetson Bennett, at least in this next game and see how he does. If, if they do start Stetson Bennett, which wouldn't surprise me, but he would have a very short leash to, to JT yeah, Daniels. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's fair. And eventually you would expect Daniels to take over. If not, if not right away, if they don't. Just yeah, I know away. it's we'll see. But either way, it's worrisome to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would be I would I'm I guess I kind of echo everything you said. I'd be more worried if the defense didn't look as great as it did. It seems like it is the best defense in the country, possibly Maybe by they, far. Yeah. So the yeah. offense in most games won't have to do much. Yeah, I but in, in terms of your question, I was really I wasn't. I was like cautiously optimistic. I think that Mathis could just like take it and run. Yeah. And he, he just didn't do that. Maybe it was just one game. I was, I don't know why I, maybe that was just blind, blind faith, but I thought that he was, cause there were kind of the murmurs that he was like, he supposedly beat out Newman in camp and that probably now isn't true. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. I mean, hopefully Daniels can provide a spark, but Michael, like you said, with that defense, we've seen really good teams in the past just survive because of their defense. Like maybe the offense only cost them a game against Alabama or something, but they could win every other game. So we'll see. I'm not I'm not writing them off because I think the offense it can only go up. Um, but at least if they have that constant of the the defense, it's encouraging. But the problem for them is they play Auburn, Tennessee, <laughs> yeah. and Alabama in the next three games. So the offense is going to have to do something, right? Right. All right. We'll see. Uh, let's get to a few crazy endings. Uh, yeah. We've got three here that we wanted to go through. Ryan, what's yours? Yeah, my my game was Iowa State at TCU. So this was a crazy one is in relation to the point spread, really, not necessarily the result of who won or lost. So depending on when and you bet the game, uh, it was anywhere from two and a half to about three and a half point spread. TC, uh, Iowa State was favored. So going into the last drive here, TCU had the ball and uh Iowa State was up nine. So if you're betting Iowa State, you're just like desperately hoping they don't score TCU doesn't score. And if opposite obviously for TCU. So last play of the game, well I'll just jump to that. Last play of the game, Iowa State had the ball 
or taste, excuse me, TCU had the ball uh, on the 31 yard line, just like six seconds to go or something like that. Duggan threw up a prayer to the left corner of the end zone. Somehow Iowa state was just, I don't know. They weren't playing prevent I whatever. Who knows what happened, but guy got behind him and he lost his, his leverage and TCU caught the, caught a touchdown pass to put him down three. Now me personally, I had Iowa state minus three. So I was tied at that point. I was pushing and I was like, Oh crap, they're going to kick the extra point. I'm going to lose refs go up to Gary Patterson and ask him, Hey, do you want, do you want to kick the extra point? I just want to end the game. And Gary Patterson, you know, he just said, Oh no, I was, game's over game's over yeah. so he doesn't kick the extra point game ends in three points obviously Iowa State wins by three so uh for for me I push a lot of people who had uh maybe Iowa State minus two and a half were extremely happy yeah. uh and then or the opposite for TCU if you had TCU plus two and a half you were pretty pissed so yeah well it's kind of like anyone it seems like a lot of people were unhappy because like I was with you I had Iowa State uh minus three and mm-hmm. so I don't know. Was I happy or unhappy with it? Because well, it was a miracle unhappy. that they even pushed TCU. Yeah. So that was unlucky. But then it was lucky that yeah, you were unhappy because they scored them reckless touchdown. And then you were like, well, at least I didn't lose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it was crazy. There was also that also there was a play in that game. Brock Purdy threw the worst. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. fumble. It, it ended up being a fumble yeah, touchdown because he threw it backwards. It was the worst <laughs> play I've ever seen. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, he got spun around and just hucked it up, like seemingly trying to throw it out of bounds, I guess. I but it went backwards it and it did not go out of bounds. It went to a TCU player. You know, like, and the other and thing about that, I've watched that play more, more a few times. Like, what was the TCU defender even doing over there? Yeah, <laughs> He's like all by I himself. I know. <laughs> it was just the most bizarre play. Uh, you got to watch it if you haven't seen it. All right. Well, the other crazy ending. Well, mine is less crazy. Wait, did someone want to say something? Yeah. No, I got for it. Okay. Uh, Texas State at Boston College, really just more concerning if you're a Boston College fan, that bad performance against uh, not a very good defense in Texas State. So they were down 21-14, Boston College was, just over a minute left, and their quarterback, Phil Dracovic, threw a touchdown to, to Hunter Long to tie it up. Then they forced a three and out, so Boston College got the ball back with just enough time to drive down the field and make a game-winning 36-yard field goal. So no craziness, really. I mean, that was a a couple scores in the final three minutes, but uh, just kind of, I guess, disheartening if you're a Boston College fan. Although you're probably not too concerned with style points, you just want to get wins if you're if you're BC yep. this year. Yep. All right, mine was Georgia Southern at Louisiana. This was exciting. Louisiana uh, two weeks in a row. Yeah, I think uh, Georgia Southern quarterback Shy Wirtz is one of my favorite players. Uh, he's not known for his arm uh, since he's running that option. But he went 11 of 18, 255, and made some clutch throws. So with a minute to go, they're down by seven. He threw a 28-yard touchdown pass to Darian Anderson, who made a ridiculous kind of one-handed grab in the end zone. Uh, Coach Lunsford went for two, and Wirtz somehow spun out of a sack, essentially, and threw a dime to convert, and they take the lead with just under a minute. But then the Raging Cajuns, they were able to move the ball down in position to kick a 53-yard field goal. Their kicker, Nate Snyder, he was one for four going into the game, and it basically seemed like there was no shot he was going to make it. Uh, but he absolutely drilled it, and they got the win at the horn. So good for, Crazy. Good for Snyder and, and good for Louisiana. Poor, poor Georgia Southern. Well, speaking of crazy plays though before that all happened right before i think the first time georgia oh. southern 
tried to tie it up or take the lead. They had a receiver going wide open. He caught the pass and he's running into the end zone. And for some reason, he decides to move. Like there's nobody really that close behind him. He's not at risk of getting tackled, but he decides to move the football into both hands and kind of he was about to reach it across the end zone instead of just kind of running through. Anyway, as he moves the football, he fumbles it. Nobody (laughs) cuts him. He just it just pops out of his hands out of the back of the end zone. Uh, But luckily for him, I mean, they still ended up losing, but they did get another touchdown to that play right there really strengthens the argument for not having you lose the possession because like the defense didn't do anything on that one. Right. At least on some of the other plays, like they knock it out. Like this was just a total gaffe. Like, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, quickly go over some of the games from week four. We, we haven't brought up yet. So Trey, you got four games in your rapid recaps i do we got alabama at mizzou first the final score was 38 19 uh it it wasn't really that close alabama was up 35 6 going into the fourth mac jones efficient spreading the ball around to waddle and smith Najee harris had three rushing touchdowns and the bama defense with moses and certain they looked much improved in their their first game looking forward to seeing them against a&m west virginia oklahoma state Oklahoma State won 27 to 13. Spencer Sanders didn't go to injury, but Shane Ellingworth uh, was able to manage the game well enough and rely on the ground game and defense, surprisingly. Key sequence in the game was early in the second quarter. Uh, it was scoreless, and LD Brown had a 60 yard, 66 yard touchdown run. A few plays later, Oklahoma State forced a fumble, scooped it up for a 56 yard touchdown. So 14 nothing, just like that, was too much for the Mountaineers to come back from. Deggy played well enough to get them back in the game, but Hubbard ended up icing it with a, a late touchdown with just over a minute left, which was significant to some. <laughs> Army at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's defense was really able to slow down and essentially shut down Army's strong option attack, held them to only 10 points. Give credit to Army's D, though. Uh, they, did, they didn't let the Bearcats get anything easy. They took away Cincinnati's ground game. Uh, they basically intercepted Ritter's option pitch on the, the first drive of the game and they they returned it for a touchdown but Desmond Ritter he was a little inconsistent but he did enough through there to to get the win capped it off with a 60 yard touchdown pass to Jared Dokes and they won the ranked matchup 24 to 10 finally the SEC Tennessee played at South Carolina it was a competitive game the Vols ended up pulling it out 31 27 they extend their winning streak now to seven uh the Vols were up 27 or 21 to 7 early in the, the third quarter with behind an Eric Gray run. Uh, but Colin Hill and the Gamecocks, they rallied for a couple scores, ended up tying it. And Garantano, though, he stepped up, let a crutch drive, capped it off by throwing a, a touchdown pass. And then the game kind of ended in disappointing fashion. South Carolina forced a Tennessee punt with under two minutes to get the ball back, but it ended up hitting a Gamecock and the Vols recovered on the, the that. So that was disappointing, but yeah. And good win for the Vols. Yep. All right. Uh, Auburn won at home against Kentucky 29 to 13. Bo Nix played pretty well, especially considering he didn't have much help from the running game. Uh, but really the most impl- impressive player on the field was Auburn, wa- Auburn wide receiver Seth Williams. Six catches, 112 yards, two touchdowns. He was a beast. Like all Nick's basically had to do was get it within reach. And sometimes yeah. it felt like the passes weren't even quite within reach, but Seth Williams would go get him. Uh, as for Kentucky, 
they did kind of get screwed at the end of the first half with Ugh. the refs not giving them a clear cut, clear touchdown. And yes. Terry Wilson ended up throwing a pick, I think, the next play. Horrible. Yeah. So uh, kind of uh, unfortunate there. But they just they shot themselves in the foot too much that they, you know, they deserve to lose for sure. Uh, Virginia Tech, despite being without 23 players, including starting quarterback Hendon Hooker, blew out NC State 45-24. They've got really good depth at quarterback because Braxton Burmeister played yeah. well. Quincy Patterson, third string, played played well also. <laughs> he did. Uh, I was going to say played well as well. And I was like, wait, I can't say well no, again. No. Then I, was, I didn't want to say played good because that doesn't sound <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, running game was really good. 7.7 yards per carry. And uh, Khalil Herbert, the transfer from Kansas, had a big game. So I'm only really have like I'm, eight rushes. But he's had a huge game. Yeah, he had six carries, I think, for yeah. like 105 yards. Yeah, something it like, that. like he barely got touches, but he was huge. Yeah. Uh, and the defense had six sacks. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, they were all impressive. in on Virginia Tech this year. Uh, Virginia beat Duke 38 to 20. Duke turned it over seven times, including four interceptions from Chase Bryce. Hot garbage. Yeah. Oh, Duke yeah. is now 0 3. Virginia's 1 0, but jury's definitely still out on. Uh, just on the team in general, I guess, yeah. you know, you get seven turnovers. I mean, you got to give they the team some credit than, for that. It was kind of a game in the fourth quarter there. So it was. And then Duke turned it over four times in that fourth <laughs> quarter. So. Fair enough. It was no longer a game. But yeah, yeah. I want to see Brennan Armstrong play some more. He did throw two picks in this one. Yeah. Uh, so like like to see more from him. Uh, BYU beat Troy 48 to seven. They are good. Wow. One of the best Too offensive they lines. They can't play a better country. schedule this year. The, what's that? It's too bad BYU can't play a better schedule this year. I they, know. I was just going to say the best team that they have left on their schedule is 59th and SP plus Houston. So uh, they have a chance to go undefeated, played. but you would they'd like to play a really good team. So that's yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, offensive line's great. Zach Wilson's great. Defense has given up 10 points in two games. Uh, so they're legit. And then I just want to quickly touch on two of the worst teams ever possibly <laughs> to start out at their records. So you got... 3-0 and UTSA, and there are three games that were all close. Here's the Sagarin rankings of their opponents. Texas State, 125th, Stephen F. Austin, 201st, and Middle Tennessee, 134th. And apparently they were really lucky to win this weekend. Bill Connolly had it as a 15% post-game win expectancy. So <laughs> UTSA will take it. Hey, they're 3-0. Yeah, and That's awesome, maybe. but I wouldn't overreact. Uh, and then UTEP, of course. Wow. Perennial bottom of, the, of college football. They are now... Three and one. Their wins, though, Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, and ULM. Highest Sagarin ranking among those is ULM at 181st. Uh, So, yeah. Again, I mean, these teams were expected to be bad. They probably are bad, but they will take the wins. Sure. In a heartbeat, man. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to my here. My first game, Florida State at Miami. Um, Miami looks real and then florida state looks like a joke i don't know miami won 52 to 10 Derek king was amazing florida state couldn't muster up anything on defense to keep this one interesting just an absolute blowout i mean i don't know what else to say this is just That's about it atrocious right uh moving on to my next game here florida at Ole miss this was uh, an interesting game here uh florida ended up winning 51 35 kyle trask was awesome in this game over 400 yards passing six touchdowns it helps that he was throwing to Kyle Pitts, who was just incredible. The tight end there, who looks like a for sure first round draft pick, 170 yards receiving and four touchdowns. He was unstoppable. 
Um, Gators defense is concerning. I will say that uh, Ole Miss really exposed them. Matt Corral threw for almost 400 yards, 395 yards, and they just essentially went punch for punch. They just kind of maybe I, here and there, Florida was just a little bit better. But um, if you're if you're Ole Miss, you're definitely encouraged by what you saw from Lane Kiffin's offense. I will say, and Corral is a sophomore. You got yeah. some some years there, and Elijah Moore was huge on the on the receiving end there. So. It was, it was a good game to watch. I mean, it helps when you have the number one pick at quarterback too throwing. So, oh, for Florida, exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> guys rising up the ranks, just amazing in this game. He, yeah, he, he might be rising up the ranks. He was Keep great. Fighting. He was Keep great. Fighting. All right, third game: Vandy at Texas A and M. Talk about an ugly game. A uh, and M ended up winning seventeen to twelve. And it was sloppy. Three turnovers, eight penalties. I mean, I really, you know, watching some of this game, it just they were pounding ground. Uh, they were pounding Vandy on the ground. Um, they were rushing for like seven yards per attempt, but for whatever reason, they just kept kind of passing with uh, with Mond. And I'm, don't get me wrong, I like Mond now, but if you're rushing for seven yards per attempt, just continue to rush the ball. And they just they kept they kept Vanderbilt in it, and uh, it was very very ugly. So concerning here for AM, their offense obviously without some of the weapons that they've they've lost. Osmond um, on the on the outside is, is a, was a huge loss, and it showed in this one. So. Mm-hmm. They got they step up their challenge here for sure with uh, where they got <laughs> Bama coming up. So, oh boy! But they at least got the win. Uh, finally, uh, Georgia Tech at Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse showed some signs of life here. They went thirty-seven twenty. Jeff Sims is kind of the story in this game. He, if uh, the quarterback for Georgia Tech, he threw four more interceptions on top of the four he already had. It's eight interceptions in three games for the true freshman. Mm. He made this game obviously very easy on Syracuse to win. And uh, I don't know, at some point you're maybe thinking Sims needs to, might need a little breather uh, and let somebody else give a shot here because that's, can't throw that many interceptions in winning ball game. So um, anyway, it's a good win for Syracuse, I guess. But Sims is concerning. Yeah, he's done a lot of great things, but there you go. He gives it away yeah, a lot, apparently. Tough. Okay, uh, let's uh, get to a couple segments here. One is just a, brief piece of news which is not even news anymore it, it must have just broken <laughs> shortly after our last podcast because it feels like it's been forever pac 12 the mac and mountain west have announced plans to come back so now all 10 power five conferences will be back what, uh, what 10 power thoughts? five that's amazing oh. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> no it's true i said what i said trey <laughs> and i said it good you did <laughs> fbs <laughs> conferences there you go uh, I think, yeah, Ryan, what do you think about this? I mean, we all knew it was going to happen even before, you know, it's obviously it's been old news at this point, but we knew even before it came out that at, after everybody else made the decision to come back, it was pretty much inevitable that Pac-12, uh, Mac and Mount West were probably going to come back too. Um, the, the, I guess maybe the most surprising one is maybe a little bit of the Pac-12 just because of, you know, how, I mean, they were very clear on their guidelines and however they, they, the the research that they showed and the transparency of why they weren't going to play for them to kind of do a 180 on that and play is, I'm not going to say it's bad decision or anything like that, but it's just maybe a little bit the most surprising. But they are going to start super late and uh, it's just what they're only going to mm-hmm. play seven games uh, at this point. So that's, I mean, it's definitely better than nothing. I'm glad they're all coming back. We love the Mountain West. We love Maction. And of course, we want to see the Pac-12 and Michael's the USC grad, of course. So um you know, I'm, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that all this. I'm happy for the kids that want to play. You know, I mean, like it, mm-hmm. was, it would just be such a disappointing if you were one of those kids. So that for that reason, for the kids that want to play, I'm I'm happy about it. Yeah, a little bit of peer pressure kind of snuck in as everyone else came back, but I'm glad that they were able to 
they're all aboard now, sort out the testing and, and able to carry some form of a season out. Uh, and for me personally, like I'm looking forward to having some weekday Mac games. They've talked about doing that at least in, in November. Um, and then some more Saturday night games with some Pac-12 after dark, some random UNLV Air Force game. I'm I'm all about it because it's been a little light. Uh, I want to stay up till midnight on Saturday watching, watching yeah. football. Yeah, no West Coast yeah. games to keep us entertained. I know this past Saturday, all we had was Troy BYU and that game was, was a blowout yeah. yeah. from the start. Um, but I mean, I think you talk about the Pac-12. I think in particular, they handled this pretty well from the beginning when they, they first postponed the season. They released the detailed report like that everyone complained that the Big Ten didn't release of, yep. of hey, here's what our doctors say. This is exactly why we are uh, postponing the season. And here's some reasons of why it might be safer at a later later date. One of the big things that they outlined there was the rap, the potential availability of rapid daily testing that, of course, has come, I think, much quicker than everybody thought. So that's yeah. one of the main reasons that they're yeah, coming that's back, been so. the difference for, you know, Big Ten and Pac-12 was the, the, the rapid testing. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be playing a set. Well, a, a seven game season. They're all they're all going to be playing seven games. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully they're able to get <laughs> we'll through them without that schedule, and uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'll be interested to see the schedule because that means every team in the, I guess, regular season, every team is going to be playing. Of course, there are five uh, teams in their division and one mm-hmm. uh, team from the it's other crossover. division. So yeah, one going to be very interesting. It's going to be very yeah. Like, will USC be playing Oregon? That would be crazy. I, I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, well, I, hopefully not for I, your case. Yeah, I, I I hope not, and I would predict that that Hopefully won't be you get like the Beavers. I don't want to choose anybody because then I'll say it, and then we're going to end up losing to them. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I hope for the Beavers, even though they're <laughs> they're not bad. No, they're not. But <laughs> but yeah, if I had a choice, okay. Anyway, uh, next segment we got here, we're going to talk about some under the radar breakout players. So players that maybe the casual fan or maybe even some of our listeners have haven't heard of. Um, that at least through one, two, three games, how many they've played are breaking out. So let's go one by one, I guess. Trey, you've we've all that got works. three. Who's who's your that, first one, Trey? That works. I, I think I probably stole this one from from you guys. So I'm gonna go with our within us three, our most obvious one, Malik Willis, Liberty mm-hmm. quarterback. He uh, he's the Auburn transfer. If you don't already know, he's fit right into Hugh's free, Hugh Freeze's offense, dual threat. He's done it all uh, so far been efficient over 70 70 completions hasn't turned it over in rushing alone he's ranking in the top 15 of some stats including running backs uh he's averaging over seven yards per carry i mean he's the reason that they're two and oh and not oh and two because they've had a couple close games and they got mm-hmm. north alabama and ul monroe who's 148th i guess and sagarin you said coming up next so they uh in their next two games so they're they're looking at a strong four and potential start here yep Okay, mine is uh, also in the state of Virginia. Uh, Virginia Tech defensive end Justice Reed, and he's a, a grad transfer from Youngstown State, where he had thirteen sacks. Old. What's that? He's forty-two years old. Yeah, he's well. That's the thing about him is he. So he started out at Florida. He redshirted there. Um, ended up transferring to Youngstown State. Had some injury issues, so he's been getting extra years. This is his seventh year in playing college football. And uh, game one against NC State, he had five tackles and two sacks. So 
Virginia Tech fans were going crazy about him on Twitter. A lot of uh, Chuck Norris type jokes, which were pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so this is year seven for him. And remember, this year doesn't count for anyone's eligibility. Oh, so he could wow. come back for year eight next year. <laughs> That's awesome. Which would be crazy. I'd, Hopefully he goes to the NFL. Hopefully he has a great year. I hope he comes back and be the first eighth year player ever in college football history i would i don't know if that's a true statement but i can't imagine there have been many if there have been many i don't know if there's been a seven year that's (laughs) yeah seven's a lot that's tough uh all right i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna kind of cheat here i'm gonna go with two guys i'm gonna go a couple guys on pit pittsburgh's uh defensive line i'm gonna say patrick jones uh and rashad weaver they're both very similar players they're both about six five two sixty two seventy but they're both just getting after it on the defensive front they're just living in the backfield defensive uh, of their offensive opponents. They just, they're both tied for third and the nation and sacks. They each have three and a half right now. Um, they're obviously the main reason why Pitt is three and all right now and looking really, really good. Um, that defense has just been dominant. So Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver, we knew Rashad Weaver is kind of a proven commodity, but he was injured all of last year. Um, so we didn't get to see him. And Patrick Jones is kind of breaking out maybe a little bit more than he has in the past. So, you guys are a handful to deal with even after losing uh, Jalen Twyman. So they are impressive. Yep. I'm going to go to UCF, their wide receiver, Marlon Williams. And we, we kind of wondered who would step up in that receiving core after losing Gabriel Davis to the NFL. They had veteran Trey Nixon returning too, but so far Williams has been Gabriel Dylan Gabriel's main target. He leads the country uh, in receptions. He's got 23 in only two games. Uh, he's fourth in the country in receiving yards, over 12 yards per catch. Uh, he's really busting out so far this season. Okay. I've got uh, Daytrick Harrington running back for App State. Had 211 yards and four touchdowns against Campbell this past weekend. Oh, boy. And I just had to include him I because I know. I, yeah. Yeah. Not the greatest opponent, but hey, <laughs> he got it done. Do you see the no, schedule this year for Campbell? seems like i've well i saw them play coastal who else are they gonna They're play just playing all fbs teams it seems like yeah they're gonna get smoked every week like <laughs> I think they got wake this week oh that's right they play on friday against yeah, wake, I think. well good for them i know experience um but yeah no app state has had a 1000 yard rusher for eight straight years so he's looking to be the ninth they do have only 11 games as opposed to 12 this season but He's clearly got a shot. 200 plus game helps. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll go with my second guy here. I got uh, Tulane sophomore running back uh, Cameron Carroll uh, in three games. He already has eight touchdowns, uh, seven rushing and one on the, on, in the air. Um, he's averaging seven yards per carry. Uh, just a fantastic start here, especially uh, since he wasn't necessarily supposed to be the guy uh, going into the year. There was an injury uh, to one of their premier back so he was kind of an up-and-comer and nobody really knew about he was he's a big back and just kind of taking taking that offense by storm so cameron carroll's off to a hot start yeah they've got another guy too uh to jay spears who's uh, who's also having a big year yeah they they've been great on the ground this year all right my my last guy is miles murphy clemson defensive end um we know about all the NFL attrition that Clemson has had in the last couple seasons on defense, but so this year we didn't really know who would rise up from all the blue chip talent that they've they've acquired. So far, Murphy has been the man. Um, he's a freshman, so if you don't follow recruiting, uh, you might not have heard of him. Um, a lot of the focus, though, was in the recruiting. If you did follow recruiting, a lot of the focus was on Clemson landing the number one overall, Brian Brezzi, at D tackle and DJ Ugalele 
uh, at quarterback. Murphy has had a monster first couple games, specifically in his first game against Wake Forest. Seven tackles, three for loss, two sacks. He played sparingly in their second game against the Citadel, but he forced a fumble in that one. So he seems kind of poised to be the next great Clemson D lineman. All right, last one here is, I mean, I don't know how good this guy's going to be, but his first game was great. Another freshman. So Lavelle Davis, lightly recruited, uh, six foot seven freshman receiver from Virginia. I had never heard of him before this weekend, but he had four catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns against Duke. And Bronco Mendenhall said after the game, quote, it was one of our best kept secrets. It's hard to hide six foot seven for about 12 weeks in practice, but the same (laughs) plays that he made tonight, he's been making against us almost every day. Wow. So I don't know if that's just coach speak, but the guy proved it on the field. So it's interesting to see six, seven receiver, you know, lightly recruited, but yeah, true. Good for um, all right, my last one is uh, Ulysses. Oh, you Bentley. got one. Too. Yeah. What? I thought we were done. Oh no, I got one more. Uh, Ulysses Bentley the fourth. Sweet name. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a, a freshman running back for SMU. He's a kind of a smaller guy, but he's been off to a hard start this year. He's got over 400 yards from scrimmage, seven touchdowns in three games, averaging over 10 yards per carry. Uh, he's been pretty much unstoppable so far. I mean, they've had a little bit of a lighter schedule, but. He's been he's been awesome. Looks like they have a, a nice piece to kind of go with Shane Bechel there in the backfield. All right. So I want to do a quick little uh, trivia question here because I, I mentioned uh, that App State has had eight straight uh, seasons with a thousand yard rusher. Only one team has had more uh, currently that, that has an active streak. Who is that one team? That's a tough question. Just kind of throw out there. Uh Boy, I'm two two come to my head immediately. Wisconsin and Boise State. One of those is correct. Yeah, it's gotta be Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm gonna go Boise. It is Boise. Ryan got oh. it right. That's very good. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised Wisconsin. I don't know what the year that it didn't. Well, they probably anymore. had a couple. They split a lot of the years. They had those two good backs. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, Boise State has 11. Wow, yeah, they've just traded them out. Uh, okay, let's uh, move on to week five. Let's make our against the spread picks. Uh, Ryan and I, I know, had a, a down week last week, so we'll try and come back from that. We're but still ahead, man. We are. I think all three of us are. Yeah, we're hanging. Are, we're hanging. Are winning records, so we'll take that, obviously. Uh, okay, so we've got some ACC games with some double-digit underdogs. I'm going to list four here, and you got to tell me who you like the most uh, as an underdog against the spread. So we got Virginia plus 28 at Clemson. We got Boston College at home plus 14 against North Carolina. Duke at home plus 10 and a half against Virginia Tech. And then NC State plus 14 on the road at Pitt. So Ryan, who are you taking there? I'm going to take Boston College here as my uh, my double okay. underdog. I know obviously they struggled last week against Texas State, but just go rewind a week earlier and they blew out duke in durham i know duke's not good but i'm not i'm not gonna freak out over one game against texas state who i know michael says is one of the worst teams but texas state is showing some signs of life especially i mean yeah yeah i mean they're not there's a lot there's a lot worse teams out there exactly and boston college did muster up some offense and find a way to win um so i'm gonna give them some credit for that and i just think especially with north carolina they had obviously they had a slow start against syracuse so uh, Boston College, I trust them with the with some of their 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 offensive line and David Bailey. 
Um, and Phil Dracovic has pre- impressed me so far. So I, I don't see this as like a huge shock. To, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a, a game going into the fourth quarter. Um, I just think BC will probably be up for this one. Maybe they were not so much up for an empty stadium against Texas State after they just had a huge win in their eyes at Duke. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if BC was right there until the end. Yeah, not a bad pick. Um, Duke, man, I was thought about Duke, but I just did not like. We talked about all the turnovers they had. Chase Bryce, yeah, not mm-hmm. not so great. Um, and then NC State, I just think that Pitt's defense should just stymie them. I mean, Bailey Hockman yeah. got pulled last week. They just did not look good. I don't have a lot of faith, in, and and not even in their defense. They've given up forty five points in both their games. So, not a great start. So, I actually kind of by process of elimination went to Virginia. Uh, I know they're playing Clemson, so it's no no easy <laughs> task. But they're getting 28, and you know Brennan Armstrong wasn't super efficient, but he at least led a good offensive showing against Duke. And I'm at least a little more encouraged than I was prior to the season about that Wahoo offense. Um, Mendenhall, he's built up a little little depth to be a little more competitive. I mean, they're not going to scare Clemson, but this line might be slightly inflated. That six, seven receiver will can catch a few touchdowns against Clemson. There you go. Yeah. Why not throw it up to him? Yeah. yeah I actually went with uh, Virginia too. Plus plus 28. It's going to be Clemson's first game against a, a decent defense. Uh, so I think Virginia can at least get, get some stops that maybe wake. And uh, I guess the Citadel was it. Yeah. Weren't, yeah. weren't able to get. Um, and on offense, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll just reserve judgment after that Duke game. It was kind of a weird game with so many yeah. turnovers and um but they're supposed to have a, a much better offensive line than in years past. So if Virginia can can have Wayne Talapapa make some plays on the ground and just kind of slow down the game, then twenty eight. I mean, it doesn't take much, but thirty eight fourteen, I could see something yeah. like that. Yeah. Fair. Um, okay. How about uh which of these double-digit Big 12 underdogs do you like? We got two of them, TCU at Texas. They're uh, plus 13. Or you can take Kansas at home against Oklahoma State, and you get 21 and a half. I'm going to go with TCU. Uh, they, The Horned Frogs, they moved the ball a lot better when Max Duggan went in, um, in in the game last week. He ended up going 16 of 19, 241, three scores. Uh, despite yeah. not even playing the whole game. And that was kind of his bugaboo last year. He wasn't overly efficient. So that was encouraging if I'm a, a Horn Frog fan. And so I don't see why they won't be able to move the ball at least semi-well against the Longhorn defense that we saw last week. Uh, and Patterson, you know, their defense wasn't wasn't a strength, but he can maybe teach teach them about their, their first game mistakes and at least improve a little bit to try and slow down Ellinger. Not saying they will. Yeah, yeah, I I was also like Max Duggan. You see that stat line? It's like, whoa, that's that's not what he was doing a lot last year. At least I know he did have a good game, I think, against Texas last year. So maybe he can uh, do that again and be even better this year if he's really taking that step forward. But the defense giving up a bunch of big plays uh, against Iowa State last week kind of canceled out canceled that out for me. Yeah. So I uh, I'll take Kansas plus twenty one and a half. I'll come back. Well, it didn't work out last week for me against Baylor but I will say the score last week I think was worse than maybe the game played out because Baylor returned two kickoffs for touchdowns exactly. that kind of inflates it and Charlie would have scored offense, anyway they would have scored anyway well the <laughs> no, offense didn't no. actually play all that well for, for I hear Baylor. Charlie Brewer is not his best game um, now Spencer Sanders might play in this one but even if he does he's not going to be 100% so uh, why not? 21 and a half. 
yeah, I would rest him another week if I was Gundy and try to get him 100% if I could. But Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with Trey uh, on this one. I'm going to take TCU. Obviously, may, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Duggan did show out so well. Um, so Texas just worried me last week with that defense. It just kind of seems like more of the same. I don't. At the, after that performance, I don't trust them to to blow out a decent team like TCU. Um, and I do think TCU is going to be ready to go. They obviously play, it seems they always, they always play Texas really well. So I'm I'm taking the the Horn Frogs. Okay, let's move on to the SEC, the other uh, Power Five conference. Did I use Power Five conference correctly there, Trey? That time it was appropriate. Okay. okay. Great. You passed. Uh, so SEC underdogs. We got Arkansas plus 18 at Mississippi State. We got Vandy at home to LSU. You're getting 20 and a half with Vandy. South Carolina plus 18 at Florida or Missouri plus 11 and a half at Tennessee. So I'll, I'll pick first here. I liked, I liked South Carolina uh, plus 18 at Florida. I think their secondary can put up much more of a fight against Florida than uh, Ole Miss did last week, especially if they're able to get Israel McQuamu back from injury. I know he didn't play the second half last week, but hoping he can be back. And I thought offensively, I thought Colin Hill played reasonably well. The one kind of mistake he made was an interception that I don't even think really was, yeah. was totally his fault. The receiver dropped it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the offense for South Carolina, I think quarterback play is going to be much better this year. I think maybe they could hang in there enough to, to get a cover. Okay, that's that's I, I hear you in that one. Um, I'm gonna go a different way. I'm gonna take Vandy getting the plus twenty and a half uh, at home against LSU. Um, of course, we just saw LSU lose to Mississippi State, who we thought was not going to be all that great this coming into this year, and we just saw Vanderbilt go on the road at A and M and almost win in in College Station. Now, Vandy's offense was horrible, but they did show some some promising signs of life on defense. Um, so if they can just keep LSU within check, we know Miles Brennan looked a little uncomfortable. So if Andy can continue to do that, like they did to Colin Mond, I think they can make this one interesting. And I just don't see LSU being able to go in and necessarily blow them out right away. So I think 20 and a half is a pretty big spread there. And you're right. You're right about Vanderbilt's offense, not being very efficient at all against, uh, A&M, but people did like what they saw from, from Ken Seals. He was 20 for 29, like it wasn't for a lot of yards per attempt. Yeah, it was for or, pretty short yards, but yeah, but hey, your first game for Vanderbilt to see a college true freshman come in game one on the road and look competent, like that's pretty good. Yeah, it's better than fumbling and throwing a bunch of picks and throwing deep yeah. balls that have no chance. So yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other games we haven't touched on is Mizzou at Tennessee. I I just didn't want to go with Mizzou. I liked what I saw with Tennessee. They got a good road win in Columbia. So I and behind with that rushing attack behind that good O line. I think they should be fine. Um, the one point I did want to make, Michael, on your game was South Carolina. I think Muschamp, if I was playing college fantasy, which I'm not, but I think they're going to really try and shut down Kyle Pitts. So if I were like playing fantasy, I would want to get either Grimes or Tony because I think they're going to focus on Pitts and it's going to open it up for those two guys on the outside. Okay. But well, my little sidebar tidbit. But uh, no, the game I actually am going to choose is in the Arkansas-Mississippi State game. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, they're riding high, obviously. This could be a letdown spot. Uh, it's scary to take Arkansas here just because they're going up against that air raid, but I'm going to pick them just because of the situation. And um, I think Felipe Franks 
obviously he looked shaky, but they're playing arguably the best defense in the country. Mississippi State doesn't have that. So I, I think they can at least score enough to keep it within that 18. All right. Uh, let's move on to some of the big games that, that we'll all cover here. So first one is an SEC game. It's Texas A&M at Alabama. Alabama is favored 17, Ryan. Yeah, I, I, I like Alabama here. Um, I mean, if we're just going off week one week here, uh, A&M looks shaky. I'm not sure if they have the weapons uh, on offense anymore. Obviously, Isaiah Spiller, I know, looked good in the backfield, um, but they still just put up 17 points against a horrible defense in Vanderbilt. Alabama, like Trey mentioned earlier, they look much improved on the defensive side of the ball. Sertain back looking good. Dylan Moses, obviously, coming back from that injury look is helping out. So I'm not confident in A&M being able to sustain any long drives and I think Alabama, with all their weapons that they have, Mac Jones, is, of course, looks amazing. His first half was just awesome at Missouri, and we know Missouri's proven to have a pretty solid defense. So uh, I'm going to take A&M minus the, uh, the 17. I'm not A&M. I'm going to take Alabama minus the 17 points here. Yeah, you bring up that A&M offense. Yeah, I got questions. Was it was it jitters? Was it Were they not showing all their cards? Was it the COVID opt outs? I mean, Vandy's defense, like there's, it's just, it's hard to, hard to tell. Um, they're going to need to find answers fast, of course, but you touched on the one bright spot was Isaiah Spiller, 117 yards on only eight carries. So if they can, he, if he can get some big run plays to help open it up and make Mon more comfortable, then maybe they can, they can muster up something against that tied defense. They had, they also had five fumbles. They lost three of them. So, Obviously, if they do that, it's lights out. So I think this week I'm going to kind of semi-ignore that, say that they they keep it, um, keep the ball in their possession, make a few more plays with Mond, and they got enough talent to keep this respectable. Yeah. Okay. So you're taking a And M. I I want to be high on a And M this year, just because, like we said in the SEC preview in 2019, it was all gearing towards 2020. Jimbo's been recruiting. Uh, they're going to have so many so much returning production, but as we've said recently, you know, they've they've had Ryan, you mentioned Jamon Osbin opt out at receiver. I think that's just such a massive loss for what you that was kind of the thing you worry about is their passing game, right? With Kellen Mond, because he's a fine passer, but you'd feel a lot better about they him when a guy when that can make tough catches. Exactly. Exactly. So um I I just don't have confidence that 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 Kellen Mond passing game can keep up with Alabama. So I'm gonna pick the tide and i'm actually going to make it my lock okay memphis minus two and a half at smu what do you think trey well this was a a thriller to watch last season uh -hmm. it's going to be one of the key games this year to help determine the aac champ uh you got two of the best conference or two of the best quarterbacks in the conference you got white and bichelle memphis though it's tough for them they're gonna have to shake off basically a month's worth of rust since they haven't played um, with all the canceled games they've had. And coach silver, silver, <laughs> coach Silverfield, uh, he even said they're not at full strength. And his quote was saying they won't even be at kickoff. Uh, so I'm leaning towards the Mustangs in this one because their offense has been firing on all cylinders this year in Memphis's one game against Arkansas state. They gave up over 400 yards the defense, or I think the difference will be the guy you mentioned earlier, Ryan, the running back Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. He, I think that ground game will be an added yeah. element for SMU. Okay. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Memphis. SMU is three and oh, yes, but they haven't really played anyone. So my preseason opinion that they are a notch below Memphis hasn't really changed much. Obviously, SMU getting this game at home narrows the gap, but 
I'm still willing to to lay two and a half. Um, I just like Memphis's defense better. I thought they did a reasonable job, Logan Bonner and and Lane Hatcher in their first game. I know it's hard to to shut those guys down, but I just think that Memphis's defense can uh, can be the difference here. So minus two and a half. I'm going to go with the Mustangs, uh, a contender in the uh, the AAC. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I I just I they're at home. Memphis is going to be at full strength. They've been off for a long time. SMU's offense is going to be it's been firing on all cylinders. Uh, I think the defense can maybe step up a little bit, but they don't have to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be a shootout most likely, anyways. Um, I'm and I just feel like Memphis. I mean SMU with at home has the advantage in this one. They were right there with them last year. SMU was so close, and their two losses in the regular season last year. Um, yeah. They were down 22 midway through the fourth quarter last year. They made year. a good comeback. Made they good made comeback, a little comeback. Bro. but made a good comeback. Different story. <laughs> it's a new year. They shell. Ulysses Bentley. Sweet name. No, I expect this to be a close game. And yeah, it, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm taking SMU. I think they're being underrated here. So, Mustang. Okay. Next up, we got OU minus seven and a half at Iowa State. I was obviously big on Iowa State coming into the year. Um, I, I still like them, you know, despite that 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 first loss. And I think I might have even picked them to win this game, but yeah. just sort of as like a bold you, call. You did. I this spread though has me a little bit tempted to take OU, especially you know to bounce back after that loss last week against K State. But I'm going to stick with Iowa State uh, plus seven and a half. Brock Purdy had a big game last year against. Oklahoma and I guess you could argue now that the Oklahoma defense is maybe the same or worse as it was last year with with some of the losses they've had and I think on the other side of the ball Jaquan Bailey and Will McDonald on Iowa State's defensive line could definitely put some pressure combined for six and a half sacks through two games Jaquan Bailey in particular is just a beast he had I think I think his three and a half sacks all came in that uh, TCU game like he was just he was all over the place yeah so yeah, give me set plus seven and a half. I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa State here. Obviously, Oklahoma did not impress uh, last week. Iowa State's going to be able to move the ball uh, on this OU defense, and with the pressure that Iowa State's D line can put on Spencer Rattler, Rattler doesn't have me convinced that he can handle handle some pressure, especially in his first road test. I know there's no fans, but it's still a road test against the best, uh, probably the best defense. Like I would say they're probably better than K State Iowa State's defense. So. Um, you're going to have to see it with him after that, that terrible performance and I, I seven and a half on the road against a solid team against Iowa state who has the p- past couple years, of course, has played them Oklahoma just neck and neck. So I'm not seeing any reason to go against that. Taking the, taking the cyclones. Yeah. You, you, I just, I th- are you locking it? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. I played the clip. I thought I was just like, he's going to lock it in. <laughs> no, sorry. no, you, uh, you touched on how close it's been. The last four games in this series have been decided by 10 or less. Um, Brees Hall, I'm, t- I'm actually going to, I'm taking Oklahoma. I think they are going to bounce back. I'm actually going to make Oklahoma my lock. Ooh, okay. I, Brees Hall scares me a bit because he's been, he's been running it well. And obviously we, we touched on the OU defense. So I won't beat that uh, anymore, but I just, I don't see, Oklahoma losing the turnover battle 4-0 like they did last week. And actually, if you look at their defense, the run defense hasn't been so much these issues. So Purdy could could throw it over the over the yard against them. But they also won't have a block punt against them. I just think that so much went against them last week. I really think that coming off a loss, 
it's it's not a good situation i think for iowa state in my opinion i know i don't know the way i'm looking at it in my through my eyes is i would i don't know if i want this pissed off oklahoma team and tcu put up almost 500 yards on on iowa state so i think oklahoma could do something similar yeah and when you look at it last week oklahoma lost the turnover battle 4-0 and still lost on a had to lose on a 50 yard field goal so it's not the worst thing that could possibly have happened yeah I'm just banking on a bounce back. Who knows? Okay. Auburn at Georgia. This is where game day is going to be. Georgia is favored six and a half. Ryan, are you locking in someone here? Not yet. I'm saving okay. for my honorable right, mention. You're waiting. Okay. Yeah. Got honorable, honorable mention still coming up, Mike. All right. That's um, fine. That's fine. Yeah. But in this game, I will take, I will take Auburn. Uh, I like the road team here. Auburn's got a better defense, of course, uh, in Arkansas. No. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're locking it in? Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, not locking it in. I just oh, don't okay. trust Georgia to be able to really separate themselves from Auburn here. And I, you know, first game, Kentucky had a great as a good defense, of course, and I liked kind of what I saw from Bo Nix and you mentioned the game the game that Seth Williams had. He kind of did break out last year, uh but he seems to be even better this year. Anthony Schwartz is of course a great kind of underneath guy, a little quicker. So they got the weapons and I just I don't see Georgia being able to blow out a good Auburn team after what I saw after week one. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to bet Auburn uh, plus the six and a half. The over under in this game is only 45, which is about as low as you'll see in college football these days. Uh, So I'm going to take the six and a half points as well with Auburn. Uh, I think Georgia's defense is going to be a little too much. I think they'll actually win this game straight up, but I'm a little more confident in that Auburn offense. Like you mentioned, Ryan, I just don't know how effective if Daniels plays and then, Bennett against an Auburn defense so it'll be I'm it's a it'll be fascinating to watch that Georgia offense against a, a good defense yeah. but uh, I just trust uh, Bonex a little more only be, and also because what I was concerned about with Georgia last week was we you, I think one of you guys mentioned earlier they only had 2.9 yards per carry against Arkansas I thought okay if their pass game's not there they'll at least be able to run it well that wasn't so much the case so um, I'm gonna take Auburn okay I'm taking Georgia Maybe I'm just not adjusting quickly enough to this this new Georgia offense, but I don't know. They're just so talented that I st- overall as a team, obviously the defense in, in particular, but I still have Georgia as the other team in that argument with Florida for, for second best team in the SEC right now. I think with, with Stetson Bennett or JT Daniel, the offense will hopefully never look as bad as it did in that first half against Arkansas and the yeah. defense st- still the best thing out there in the country. Um, so Auburn though, they can, they can prove it to me this game. Um, I mean, there was a good first test against Kentucky and they definitely passed that. So my opinion of Bo Nix has gone up, but um, I don't know. I guess I'm not just totally bought in that the passing game will be consistent because um, it wasn't last year, but yeah, we'll yeah, see. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Let's uh, get to Ryan, the honorable mentions where All you, right will be making a lock i will it's a lock that i'm gonna make a lock here in the honorable mentions all right my first game i got two of them here uh first one is louisiana tech the bulldogs playing at byu here byu is up uh, favored about 23 and a half right now this one's going to be played on friday got a couple of two and oh teams here i'm taking the cougars byu um Louisiana Tech is 2-0, but they have also given up 69 points to Southern Miss and Houston Baptist. Uh, nice, 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 right? Uh, BYU has obviously shown very, very well in their first two games. Uh, they just demolished a, a decent Troy team. Don't think Louisiana Tech is all that much better than Troy, so 
I'm going to take BYU. I'm going to make them my lock of the week. Thank you. Uh, and my second game, I got Baylor's uh, is minus three uh, in Morgantown at West Virginia. I'm going to take uh, the Mountaineers here. Baylor, uh, I feel like Baylor got off to a slow start against Kansas. Um, obviously didn't end the game. Um, it is, they just, they had a, like Michael said, they had a couple returns for, uh, for TDs. Charlie Brewer wasn't very efficient. He really actually struggled against a pretty bad Kansas defense. And we saw what coastal Carolina kind of had much more success offensively against them. So I don't think that's just going to, they're going to walk into Morgantown and just win there. I think, uh, Daigie, West Virginia can take this one. Maybe the few bounces will actually come their way this time. So I'm going to take, uh, West Virginia plus three. Okay, and I'm going to apologize as the the sound guy right now. We're kind of switching to a to a new system, and the the drops, the music have not been on point. So wow, I'm I'm deeply sorry, guys. Yeah, I'm you're fumbling. You down, it's early in I'm the season. Try, I, can I opt out of this podcast? <laughs> Bet. <laughs> um, all right, Texas Tech at Kansas State. Kansas State's favored one and a half. Not a, not a ton of respect at home against Texas Tech. Yeah. Uh, only favored one and a half. I know that, I mean, they did lose at home to a, a shorthanded Arkansas State team. So I guess they're not perfect, but Texas Tech struggled at home against Houston Baptist. So I, I kind of see these teams, I was going to say equal, but I, I, I think Kansas State's a little better. So only minus one and a half. I'll, I'll take them at home. And then Arkansas State minus three at Coastal Carolina. This is a big game for both teams trying to play spoiler uh, in, in the, their respective divisions in the Sun Belt. I think Arkansas State is a deserving favorite because of, of the way they've played, um, competing with Memphis, of course, winning at K-State. But I got to take the favorite team of the podcast, Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, plus three. And the reason is Grayson McCall, the freshman quarterback, just kind of seems to have that it factor. I know they've only played Kansas and Campbell, so this will be a, a <laughs> maybe a little bit bigger test. <laughs> the it factor. <laughs> He does, he's got the it factor, I'm telling yeah, you. Like, yeah, way better than what we thought. No, better than what they've had, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, he's got some good skill talent around him. Uh, CJ Marable at running back. The highly likely duo at wide good. receiver and tight end. Likely has been good. Yeah, so Coastal. All right, mine. Um, my first game, we got Ole Miss at Kentucky. Kentucky's favorite six and a half. I'm going to take the points with Ole Miss. Uh, they just put up over 600 yards of offense on that great Gators defense, or at least we thought great Gators defense. Matt Corral, Elijah Moore teamed up really well. Elijah Moore had over 200 yards receiving. No reason they can't be effective against the Wildcats. Kentucky will be able to uh, move it well, and Terry Wilson will end up looking pretty good against that poor Ole Miss defense. They'll get big plays too, but I'm going to take the near touchdown with Kiffin's boys. Navy at Air Force. Navy's favorite six and a half. I don't know what to think about this game because we've seen Navy kind of play Jekyll and Hyde this year. And Air Force looks like they're potentially going to be without some contributors as they've had as many as 40 players on what they call administrative turnback by the academy, which essentially means they can separate from the service for the semester. So most of these key losses uh, appear to be on defense. So I think Navy should be able to move the ball pretty well on them. But the biggest loss for Air Force in general is they lost their quarterback, Donald Hammond, who he was an absolute stud last year. He's a cadet in not good standing, which means he's allowed to practice but not play. So with with all these Air Force question marks, I'm going to take Navy. Charlotte is playing at FAU, and FAU's favored six. 
each team has had their cancellations, uh, share of cancellations this year. This is Charlotte's only second game and Florida Atlantic's first. Uh, but in Charlotte's one game against App State, Chris Reynolds looked pretty poor. He was 11 of 30, two picks, got injured, and Healy has said that the, they'll give the transfer Dom Schaffner uh, some reps this week too. So I'm going to take FAU. They bring in Willie Taggart. They're the defending conference champs. They had an outstanding offense last year, should be strong this year. Uh, look for them to use Miami transfer tight end Michael Irvin the second in some key plays and get the win. All righty. Uh, let's uh, close out this episode with a questionable finish. North Dakota State with NFL prospect Trey Lance at quarterback has their only game of the season this Saturday playing against Central Arkansas. If you could watch a former college football player play one more game, who would it be? That's such a tough question. Like, There's so many that I would want to watch. I mean, I kind of have two. Can I like say two? Sure. Fine. Wow. Right, thank you. Thank you so much. Number one, I will go with Lamar Jackson. Just he was so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, I thought you would go with someone like maybe longer ago or like who isn't you're seeing every every week on TV. Yeah, but he was. A, I want to see him back in college when he was just know, that's, absolutely. It's a fine answer. But just fine. Kind, of, kind of funny. To me. I'm not, I mean, we're not. At, we, we I like the NFL, of course, but it's this is not that's not my forte and that's not my cup Fair. of tea. Yeah, I Fair. absolutely love college football. He was amazing for college football. Okay, number two. Joe Burrow. What? Yeah. Is it Joe Burrow? The next no. one? <laughs> no. Okay. It, it's in Dominican Sue. Got to go the homer pick. Oh, yeah. God, I just love seeing a dominant defensive player like that. It's He controlled a game on defense. It's amazing. I and I, I haven't seen anything since. All right. Uh, so mine, I would go, I'd go with Tua, probably. <laughs> oh, God. Man, I just, like, it's been so long. I just really what about KJ Costello? <laughs> oh, not quite. Too far. Too far. Okay, okay. It's been a I couple know. of years here. Let's I know. Give me a no, it's, Michael, Lamar Jackson is fine. I just it just struck me as funny because it's not that long ago. But hey, I can't tell you who you want to see. That's fine. Maybe we didn't appreciate him enough at Louisville. You want to go watch the Four Horsemen again? <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> that was a great I'm time. Huh? Sanders. I mean, I never even got him got to see him play one game. Of course, I was not alive, but. Uh, <laughs> He he's just the highlights. It seems like he's maybe a better Reggie Bush. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, that's a good one. I I'm kind of similar, Michael. I actually went with Bo Jackson. Uh, mm-hmm. He won the Heisman before I was even born. But you know, he I loved watching his highlights. Seeing it'd be fun to watch a dominant running back with the speed and strength. Okay, next question came from a post on RCFB. It says, if your coach suddenly quit. Who would your school go after? Okay, well, obviously, I'm thinking of from a Nebraska point of view. I would have to say, I guess at this point, Luke Fickle. Um, He's proving himself at Cincinnati. His style seems like it would fit at Nebraska. He just got the the best AAC recruiting class ever. So I would, uh, I think I would tick Fickle. Okay, I'll, I'll, mine's for USC. And so it's asking who would you who would they go after, or I guess who would I want them to go after? If you're going to do a thorough coaching search, you got to go for some pie in the sky guys. So I would say Urban Meyer. I'm going to list multiple guys: James Franklin, Bob Stoops, and Chris Peterson. I don't know how realistic those guys are, but yeah, you go after. Well, if you're USC, you got a shot. Yeah, uh, Nebraska doesn't quite have a shot at those guys. No. Uh, 
No. So I like Trey's pick for Nebraska. Luke Fickle's a good one. Um, not entirely certain he'd want to go there. I don't know. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'll go with a guy that's more under the radar, at least from national perspective, Billy Napier, uh, just because of how amazing he's doing at down in Louisiana. I'll leave it there. Um, the Raging Cajuns have been, of course, on the fast track. They've pulled out a couple miracles here the past couple weeks, uh, uh, winning. But he seems like an up and comer for sure, and highly successful. I thought about Brian Harson too. Not yeah. the sexiest, yeah. but he's be, he's good. He be USC as well. Yeah. All right. Upset special. You got to pick a seven plus point underdog to win outright. I'm going to take Missouri to win outright at Tennessee. I think we've talked about their defense. I think it's better than it's given credit for. I'm cautiously optimistic on what Eli Drinkwitz can do with with Sean Robinson at quarterback. And we all know on the other side, Jarrett Garantano, he could have a game where he struggles. Yep. It's no Garantano. He'll do well. So, uh, I think it was actually more of an upset that neither of you got a hole in one this weekend. Thank goodness. Ooh, thank boy. goodness. Wow. It got pretty wow. close there. I would not have. Yeah, uh, you were pretty close on that last hole. Yeah. Nice when little birdie. Four feet. <laughs> oh, man. Close enough to where I could actually make the putt. Yeah. Not oh, a so ton of, not a ton of, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not a ton of options, though, for my my true upset special. I'm actually going to take TCU against Texas. I talked about it earlier. We liked how Max Duggan moved the ball. Um, I'm just going to take a shot there. Don't see why TCU can't muster up some offense against Texas. All right. Um, oh, I'm Ryan's gonna... got one. I messed up the music again. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. Wow, you're going to oh, wow. shut me out, especially when I hit my upset special last week. Oh, Mississippi State. I picked them again. 16 and a half point oh, dog. That's a big one. Nice. I know. Thank you very oh, much. No. Yeah. Um, but this week I'm going to go a smaller spread. I'm going to take Iowa state seven and a half. They play um, Oklahoma tough every year. It's neck and neck. I really think they can pull it off again in Ames. All right. Well, that'll do it for the college football bros podcast. Again, if, uh, if you're interested in betting, check out uh, my bookie and use that promo code uh cf bros that helps us out all caps and we will talk to you next week you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com to keep up with the brothers on social media like them on facebook at college football bros follow them on instagram at college football bros and for their commentary on saturdays Follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.